Welcome to the Atlas Project. It's a new world. To navigate it, we need new maps. Each episode, best-selling author Chris Katana and Scott Jones saw 50,000 feet above the immediate headlines in politics, economics, science, and society. The Atlas Project aims to reveal the big picture of where humanity is headed and the choices we all need to face. Chris, my friend, welcome back to our podcast. We've been on hiatus for a while. It's- much of the world has kind of been on hiatus, basically. Scott, I've missed you. I, I don't know what your you excuse know. is, but it can't be good. Exactly. Exactly. It's been crazy. Our life has been a little crazy. Um, I mean, parts of my life have been simpler. I haven't gotten onto a plane in a while. And although there were some places I was really hoping to get to, um, a large part of me was pretty happy to be sedentary for a while. Well, Gallup has a new poll. And this is, I don't know how this would gel with the UK uh, observations in the UK, but that that Americans are right now, uh, as many states have begun to reopen their economies, many Americans are reporting improvements in their emotional health, that coronavirus, as it, even though it persists, persists, less than half of U.S. adults say they're worried a lot, 47%, worried a lot of the previous day, down from 59% in late Mar- March, early April, when Gallup reported uh, an unprecedented increase in worry. And in addition to the 12 percentage point drop in worry, boredom has dipped five points to 41%. And happiness has edged up five points to 72%. Loneliness has held steady with about a quarter of Americans saying they're continuing experiencing a lot of it. I can relate to that. I'm shocked about those numbers that that, that people are... (laughs) Maybe Americans just are optimistic when they take these things and want to seem happier than we are, but... Well, I don't... You know, actually, that's... I'm really happy that you that you shared those numbers um, that, you know, some. So I've because, increased your happiness. Just well, by sh- this yeah. like see how easy that was sharing the numbers. Because I mean, I think, you know, for me, the, the big takeaway from coronavirus is it should be clear to all of us that we've been missing something big. Right. And, and I actually think that there's two levels to to that sense that we've been missing something. I mean, clearly, um, you know, a lot of us were, were missing something big when it came to kind of understanding and solving the world's problems. Right. Most people, I mean, well, people like me have written about it. You know, that pandemics are a, a fact of life, that nature never gives up, that there's going to be another one so that there is another one. It isn't in itself surprising. But I think, honestly, you know, there were a lot of warning signs that were ignored. And there were a lot of people saying for a long time that, you know, there there are just systemic risks that uh, are accumulating that aren't being well understood that we aren't taking seriously enough um so so clearly we've been missing something big when it kind of comes to like the world out there but yeah, i think, think about, it's like a stress test right when you go to the cardiologist and they put you on the treadmill to see if how, how what kind of shape your heart and body are in it's, it's sort of like it, it seems like in the in lots of parts of the western world we've kind of failed the stress tests yeah like, there, there, yeah there's some like, systemic stuff underlying uh, societal norms that that this is revealed and, and uh, there's and it kind of reveals like the conditions under which the system works right and then so you suddenly change some of the system conditions and you realize that oh, a lot of things just don't work yeah right like oh, i mean yeah especially you know one of the big ones in the economy is just the movement of cash in society like suddenly i've got a small business i can't pay this rent that i'm committed to if my customers don't show up and put cash into my cash register right and 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 it kind of but before going too far down down that rabbit hole. So, you know, clearly we're missing we've been missing stuff about kind of the health of the system, let's say, and where the real risks lay. But I think that we've also been 
like a lot of us have, have come in touch with the feeling that we've also been missing something big about kind of our personal well-being. And, and this is the sort of ironic discovery of social isolation is that, uh, you know, so much personal freedom has been taken away from us. And yet through that experience, like a lot of people have the sense that I've, I've rediscovered something. I've found something that I had lost. So I've lost a lot. And that experience has helped me to recognize some of the things I had lost before. Um, and, and I think in that context, everything you've told me about those statistics, that people feel less worried, um, that, that they have less stress, I think it relates to a kind of re-identification with what are my real needs. And when you strip a lot of the busyness of my life away, um, what, what do I need back? What can I let go? Um, what have I recovered? And one more thought on that, and then I'll turn it back to you. But my, my own personal experience in this, and, you know, I admit that, you know, ever since kind of the iPhone or like smartphones came into, came into my world, I, I think I had fallen into this pattern of, of feeling like any moment of the day, there was a chance to make it a little more productive. And so it kind of became this imperfect contest I had with myself about like, what should I be doing now while I am uh, waiting for the bus? What should I be doing now while I'm on the subway? What should I be doing now at the cafe while I'm waiting for somebody to show up? Because there was always a list of good answers to that question. And I never really managed to feel that I was optimizing my time as well as I possibly could have. But, but you know what? This whole experience um, has helped me to just get in touch with the, the there's a there's a there's more daylight between the self I am and the consumer that the world is constantly trying to turn me into. And just yeah, yeah. more time to be myself and not be a consumer of things. I think has for yeah, me. It's tough to consume when there's like when there's no economy. <laughs> That's right, and and you know and you know. Uh, the terrible phrase, the fear of missing out. We all deny it, but you know, here I am living in London and there is always so much on offer yeah. in this city that, you know, you do kind of feel it's very easy and normal, I think, to feel a bit of guilt about not sort of eating at that banquet every day, right? Or every weekend. It's, it's, it's a kind of wasted opportunity to stay in when actually that's where you can spend time with yourself, right? That's when you can spend time with, with your, with your family. Right. And, and, and so I think that, I think that that's, that would be my hypothesis anyway, behind the numbers of this Gallup poll is I think the opportunity to, whether we've been doing it consciously or not, separate the self from the consumer a little bit more. And, uh, and just identify a bit more with what are the things that give us, that feed us energy, strength. Because a lot of it's just, a lot of the extraneous stuff is just sort of out of our reach at the moment. It's interesting, too, that one of the highlights from the research is that Democrat, in the United States, Democrats, lower income adults, single adults reported more negative emotions. And women were lo- more likely than men to report daily worry and loneliness. So just even demographically, it's kind of spread out a little differently. I guess if you, I mean, this is the thing, right? That I think what pa- pandemics also reveal about stress tests in society, right? The inequality that has, has been on the rise in the United States 
and other parts of the world, it, it gets exacerbated by a pandemic because you see like if, if you're a blue collar worker, you just can't work. If you're a white collar person and you can telecommute and, and you're not getting a pay cut, it, it didn't really affect you as severely, right? Like you can, you know, in six months or whatever, if things slide back to a new normal, your normalcy hasn't been as disrupted because you're still working. You're still... It's interesting too, even the way the different states in the United States have dealt with it. If you have... in, If you have... A lot of the states, which we call blue states that lean more democratic, m- most of them have income taxes, state income taxes. And so they are slower to open back up because they've got revenue streams. But a lot of the... There's a lot of red states in in the Midwest and the South, the Southwest that are opening back up largely because they don't have income taxes. So all they have is sales taxes and things like that. So so if so if you're in New Jersey or New York or Pennsylvania and people are still doing, you know, telecommuting stuff from home and all this, they're getting paychecks. And then from those paychecks, taxes are getting taken out and put into the coffers. So it's like it's it's just interesting, even the way that different states uh, react to the pandemic and the issues involved. I think show like the inequalities and massive kind of cultural differences that maybe make us like, especially the United States, particularly ill-equipped to deal with this thing nationally together. Uh, it's so interesting that yeah, how the tax how the tax structure or how the tax system is structured, you know, really does affect the incentives for whether you're comfortable sheltering at home or whether you really need to get the you know kind of everything everything moving again. Yeah, because none of the states that are opening back up have showed the. The flattening out of the like the the decrease in like whatever has been two weeks. They I think they want it. They want you to have like a, a steady decrease in cases for two weeks or whatever. And none of those states have met that requirement. And this is, I mean, it kind of relates back to this um, other. I guess what I've just been strongly um, what what the world has taught me the last few months is how you know, and you, and you talk about stress tests, but you know, systems are kind of. They adapt to their environment, you know, just like populations, just like creatures. And when the environment suddenly shifts, that's when you realize that, you know, you're either caught on the right side or the wrong side of that shift. And and I think one of the great lessons from this is, you know, to kind of, we got to figure out because, you know, this isn't the, the first shock, it's not the last shock, but how do we develop the capacity to, you know, sort of shift our, shift culture, <laughs> like shift how we operate when suddenly the environment changes. And, you know, so I, I spent a lot of the last couple of months um, helping friends in, in you know, some of the world's big bureaucracies to um, source medical supplies out of China and, and, and India. And, you know, sort of, you know, I, some people were on the front line and I was on the back in the back office is how I like to think of it. And, and what I discovered in the black off back office is you have bureaucracies that, um, for, for, for good reasons and normal times are well adapted to have pretty pretty thorough procedures before decisions get made because that's how you kind of minimize the number of bad decisions and uh, and it just it, it, it's like a death grip in in sometimes it's like you kind of see the iceberg coming but you cannot turn the ship until we have this meeting and that meeting and that meeting and the other meeting by the time you get to a decision you've already hit it um, in the US, uh, just an anecdote. It wasn't one that I was personally involved in, but uh, a friend of mine in Boston was describing how you know the the rollout of these bailout funds, three trillion dollars, which took about a week to a week to agree to do that, but then it took about three weeks to figure out how to start to send it out to people because the initial solution was you know let's set up this portal, let's ask these applicants for all sorts of information, 
about their business, which makes total sense. If you're going to give public funds to people, you want to establish the needs case. But suddenly you realize that when the whole economy goes to your portals and feeds you that information, you are just overwhelmed with more information than you can process. Yeah. And the other, the other so you need a whole different process. It's like, what are the three basic data points I need to know that you're legit and do right. that and instead? The, and the other thing is like, it was structured in a way that big corporations were able to take advantage of the money and just kind of use it as a, as a cushion. And because... Do you have the capacity to work that process? Yeah. Right. It was not, dis- it was not disincentivized to do that. And, and this is the thing. It's like the, corporate, the big corporations have big teams of accountants and lawyers and, and can do it faster and more nimbly than a small business person. So ultimately, it, 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 you know, all these people that needed the funds the most didn't get them. A lot of them... So you had this weird thing because on, on one level... If you're too regulatory, that you can't get the money out fast enough. On another level, we've seen the failure of inadequate regulation in this thing because a bunch of people got the money that didn't need it as much. So and so just kind of lined their pockets and used it as a buffer and a cushion financially, as opposed to really bailing out businesses that are hanging by a thread. So yeah. I So here we are in pandemic. Here we are. You know what if I could step back, because you talk about that forever, right? And this is what everybody's talking about. What what uh, what strikes me and it's good to see you again, man. It's Did been I? a while. It's been a while. But I, under, I understand. I mean, it, both of our lives were kind of blown up by this. Um, that, that you know, a year ago, we said, let's call this the Atlas Project. Um, and, you know, our basic thesis was that we need new maps because the maps that we're navigating by that we are holding and that people pretend tell them where to go and how to get there, they aren't doing either of those two things anymore. So we need to tear those up. And that leaves us with a problem because without any maps, we're totally lost. And so we need to start drawing new ones. And you can't start drawing new ones until you first notice what's missing from the maps you had before. So, you know, that was that was our Kool-Aid that we we drank copious amounts of it and said, like, yeah, this is totally, you know, so we need to we need to figure out how to start noticing what's missing from our current maps so that we can draw the next one. Um, and then this event arrives at the beginning of 2020. Um, and 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 yeah, the, the for me, the most significant takeaway from it is how it has made plain many of the things that we've been missing. So this yeah, is a like golden what, like moment for map that, making. It's a golden it, moment for map making. There's so much that's just obvious now. Oh, we were missing that. We were missing that. We were missing that. We were missing that. And on the societal and the personal level, like and the, on the communal and ex- personal existential level, I think they're both there. You're right. I mean, they're both, you know, the, the maps are, are shared maps and also individual maps of people on the journey in this strange time. I think that's that's really well said. So we, we have a new kind of, <laughs> we have a new... Uh, We've got a kind of new plan for this podcast, right? We are, I think we're going to try to, for our fans that like the show, all three of you. Now, um, now for our fans that like the show, I think we're going to try to put it out a little more frequently as as many. It's interesting. I noticed a lot of podcasts have done that during the pandemic time. It's like, this is one thing you can do. You can You can work on digital media and it's pretty, you know, we don't have to leave the comfort of our own homes to do it. So we're going to try to do that. We're going to try to make it a little shorter, do it a little more frequently. And we want to use this as as a vehicle, right? Where we if you want to just not listen to this podcast, if you if you're not if you're looking not just to get ideas about map making, but you actually want to join some map makers that that we're going to convene something where people can do that, right? I I love the idea. I I, th- I think that's right. And I think that I mean you and I I think we needed the time 
to understand what what did we mean when we said a year ago that we need new maps and and it's all it's almost a d- disservice to you know just start um you know in inviting the world into the room into conversations and then broadcast those without a really like clear yes this is what is needed this is the distinctive question that we want to help with um and I think for a lot of people, you know, this this pandemic experience has been, you know, one of the gifts has been clarity uh, in so many dimensions. And I and I think that now we have we have the clarity to um, be able to invite people into the map room and and get somewhere great together with each conversation. Yeah, and I think to the clarity. Oh, yeah, this is what we were missing. There that, are some possibilities too. I mean, I think one of the things that's interesting about this is that. So the past few weeks, a friend of mine who lives in Arizona, his, she goes to a, a really interesting church out there, and she's kind of invited me to join in their adult Sunday school kind of education forum on Sunday mornings. And I've done it, I, and I've really liked it. Like I've, They've very enlightened group of people that are talking about interesting issues. But I would have never, without the pandemic, I would have not signed up to go to an adult <laughs> faith forum in in phoenix you know I, I had no connection to that but so it's interesting i think one of the opportunities that that this moment presents is that you might not know how many people out there are want to be on the base want to be in the base camp with you right want to be in that in that bivouac in that encampment at the bottom of the mountain as we're hiking together and then you're not limited by geography right we're not limited by a uh, profession you know like professional associations where you're not limited to just a group of lawyers or a group of tech startup people or a group of nonprofit activists or things like this. And you're not limited by being in England or Canada or, uh, you know, any place else in, in Europe or Latin America. I mean, you can basically we can find each other and probably connect in new ways because we're, we're kind of pushed in the direction of new connections because of the pandemic. But this is kind of, you turn this weakness into a strength. Wow, there's all these people that probably have a lot more inspiration and connection and simpatico energy that normally you wouldn't have found before this. And now we're, I think what, what you're hoping to do, right, is, is convene a group where we can find each other. I, I, and I, I feel like what this is a moment where uh, a radically diverse group of people can share one realization, which is that we don't know as much as we thought we did. Yeah. And that I think is the opening for, you know, real listening, real conversation. Um, you know, there has been so much, if you think about the last 25 years, just an explosion of content, you know, in human civilization. And yet we, we, we still arrived right here to this moment here and now where the recognition is that hasn't helped us with what we don't know. And, you know, I think that, you know, expertise coming out of this pandemic, I mean, it, it, it won't, that, that's the cynic in me, but it ought to be understood differently. Because the real expertise now is the, like the public health expert who, who can look at this, all of this and say, you know what, what I can say with kind of my, not, not from a place of ignorance, but with, with, with the naivete of real expertise is that we have no idea what health is. And all of our systems for healthcare, they haven't, they clearly haven't been focused on health. They've been focused on disease or illness and finding that and treating that. But the larger questions of well-being have been crowded out. But, you know, I think this is the moment for that, right? This is the moment for, for you know, the expert in, you know, 
let's say, fund management, investment banking to say, you know what? And I'm, I'm saying this not in ignorance, but with the you know, kind of real learned naivete, we have no idea how to measure value. Yeah, no, I agree. How much value has been destroyed by all of these highly paid professional executives that are working on my behalf, the shareholder, to to create and grow value, and they've done a really shitty job of it lately. Yeah, we don't no, I, we don't know how to create value long term, and then that becomes the invitation. Okay, so if the experts don't know, it's not like ah, you know, like you know, poo poo all the experts. It's like no, this is the opportunity then for us all to contribute to that search and bring the pieces that that uh, we have to offer to that invitation because it's pretty clear like we all you know we need to widen the signal that we're hearing we're all tuned in to kind of our own wavelength and there's strength and there's value in that but sometimes we need to kind of find a place where we can just listen to the whole signal put the message together yeah and i think that what is going to come out of this pandemic there will be i think there will be there will be Businesses, nonprofits, religious institutions, colleges that I think go under because the maps are just inadequate and they're, and they're, you know, they don't have a map for the way forward. Then I think there are other ones that will be strengthened because of a more kind of open ended map making and others that will get born. I mean, I think that and one of the things I think you and I are hoping is that we, we are birthing some kind of online community that will someday when we get, when there's a new normal, have opportunities to be convened all over the place, but where, you know, that here's an, here's On an opportunity. Fight Island. Exactly. Exactly. You hear about Fight Island? No. <laughs> it's like UFC is going to rent a private Island and, you know, do a lot of testing and basically host fights on the Island. That's where we should go. That's well, where I, I want to be. Fight Island. I like well, it. Yeah. But so, so if, if people want to connect with, I think we're going to do a convening of one of the, of a, of a base camp, as we call it, right? We're going to connect soon. So is there something people should do if they want to, if they're listening and say, oh my gosh, I want to be a part of base camp. I want to be a part of these explorers and map makers who are seeking meaning together. What would, what would we have them do? Uh, they should, they should reach out at this point. They should reach out to us. You know, the link will be in the show notes. Um, and say, yeah, you know, I'm, I hear the call to base camp and I want to accept that invitation and then we'll let them know when the next, uh, when the next call is going to be. Yeah. And it'll be a, it'll be a time of, I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be a time that'll be fun. It'll be, it'll be a chance to be reflective and make meaning together as we're drawing maps together. Well, I mean, it seems pretty clear that if we're not, well, so this is, this is going to be my final rant. Okay. Um, and it's on the theme of making meaning together. Because what I think is really funny is everybody wants to think differently. There's such an appeal to being able to kind of see things that other people don't see. And yet everybody is trying to figure out how to, everyone's trying to think differently the same way, which is as individuals. Okay. And that, that I think is kind of the fundamental missed opportunity. And if we really want to think differently, then we got to learn how to think together, how to, how to really tune into the perspectives that we aren't tuned into. Which you know begins with you to 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 capture that value. You have to come from a place of there's stuff I don't know. Yeah, right. And that's why I need your help, Scott, because I I just I just can't form the whole message unless we have a conversation together. And figuring out how to do that, how to how to have that kind of um, yeah, figuring out how to how to think together. Um, it sounds easy, but I don't think. I don't think we really know how to do it. I think no, that I, I, I completely agree. I'll tell you one of the things that's transformed my life over the past few years. And this is how you and I met. I had this interview podcast and I've had lots of interesting guests on from all different fields. And we had you on to talk about your great book, the age of discovery. And like I found I've grown so much 
around these questions of, of seeing a bigger picture of the world, seeing uh, opportunities to make different kinds of meaning and draw different kinds of maps, just because I'm regular conversing with people that are asking great questions and thinking interesting things. And so it's been one of these things where like just a simple thing like doing interview podcasts has opened my mind uh, and, and made, made it a more spacious place for perspectives and possibilities and questions. And so I think the more we get people convened that have that spirit, that want to be on the journey together, I think the more um, it's going to be a blessing because you're not going to do it alone. Oh, never alone. Yeah. But uh, I'm looking forward to the journey, man. Me too. And thanks. And we'll be, we'll, you'll hear from us more this week. Thanks, my friend. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for listening to The Atlas Project. We'd love to hear your feedback. Drop us a line or send us a message on Facebook. If you really like what we're doing, please rate us on iTunes and write a review. It helps so much as we're just getting off the ground. Thanks for listening and facing the new world with us. Yeah.